Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. So I'm recording this on Wednesday, 24th of April. It was Easter weekend here in Europe. Me and the family went down to Austria to our place. We had like five days down there, which was great. It was kind of the end of a ski season. It wasn't, you know, like I love skiing and snowboarding as I talk about on the podcast. And normally Easter weekend is still uh, ski season, but this year Easter came late. So there wasn't any, any skiing, which was, which is, you know, a little bit disappointing, but it was still cool. We, did, we basically went hiking. Uh, we dragged a baby up some hills I'll, I'll post some pictures on the website so it, it was cool it was nice I, I i just love getting in the mountains getting in the mountain air getting away from from the city a little bit so it, it, it was a really good weekend and that meant you know things slowed down a little bit with work because in europe friday and monday are holidays uh, i think most countries around the world monday is a holiday so that kind of slowed things down but it just means a busy week this week and and it's great a lot, lot of activity i'm actually doing three podcast interviews including a return of jeff berwick i'm going to interview him tonight if you remember jeff he's a founder of anarchist he's an anarch uh, Anna, sorry anarch, anarchapulco it's the anarchist conference in mexico it's a pretty interesting story how you even have an anarchist conference but he's built it up to be a 4,000 person event it was a really really interesting interview he's a really kind of wild guy really really sort of charismatic person so i talked to him again and that interview is going to go live uh, next week uh, in terms of this week i was l- also another returning guest david abrams from demio now this week i wanted to talk a little bit about webinars because people don't really realize often that webinars are another way to run events. You know, it's obviously a virtual event as opposed to an in-person event. David co-founded Demio, which is a system I've used, a webinar software, really good online system to run and record webinars and online meetings. And he gets into it, you know, first of all, we talk about the origin story because for me, it's fascinating. He started this company with no funding. He just bootstrapped it himself and a friend and made this amazing company. So, and, and straight away, he left college. He never got a job. He went straight into being an entrepreneur. So it's really fascinating how he did this. So the first part of the interview is kind of the origin story and the entrepreneurial story of David. And then the second part, we get into webinars, like how can you run a successful online training event, meeting, conference, whatever way to keep people engaged. And then secondly, whatever ways to promote it, we talk about how you use social proof and testimonials, how to promote it. So really, really interesting uh, interview. And I hope you all enjoy it. Just to say, uh, please, we're always looking to grow the podcast slow and steady. So if I could ask two things from you as a listener. Firstly, please leave us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. It really means a lot to us. It really helps us get listed in directories and, and league tables. And so any, any review you could leave is super helpful. And secondly, if again, if you like the podcast, and I presume hopefully you do if you're still listening, please just tell one person about it. If you can just tell one person, just email them a link, send them a link via, via WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, direct message in Twitter, whatever. Just send them a link to the podcast because if we just tell one person, it really helps us get more new listeners and, and it really helps us get new guests and it helps us get lots of new questions. So it, it helps the overall quality of the interview. And of course, I love feedback. So if you've got any comments, please email me, dan at theeventspodcast.com, D-A-N at theeventspodcast.com podcast.com email me anything good bad any any guests you'd like to see any comments on an interview i read every email and i reply to every single email i get 
So finally, this podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. That's the company I co-founded. Check it out at eventsframe.com. It's an amazing way to sell tickets online, very similar to Eventbrite, but I would say much better and much cheaper. We've got plans starting at just $39 a month. So you can sell all your tickets, you can integrate your Stripe account, your PayPal account, your Braintree account, your bank account. You take all the money directly, we never get the money. We allow you to create amazing ticket pages, you can create custom discounts, you can create like percentage discounts, time-limited discounts. And what's great is as uh, your customers apply these discount codes, it updates the screen real-time, so you don't have to go to the next screen to see it. So check it out. It's amazing, it's cheap, I know you're going to love it. And if you email me, uh, email probably be my events frame dan at eventsframe.com d-a-n at e-v-e-n-t-s-f-r-a-m-e.com put the subject line podcast and i'm going to send you a special secret discount code and this is going to be a lifetime discount code as well of the lifetime of your use of events frame so again i want to say thanks for listening i genuinely appreciate every single person who listens to this podcast and on to the interview with david the events podcast i'm your host dan taylor today i'm delighted to be talking to david abrams on the podcast from tampa florida david is the ceo uh, and i believe co-founder of demio which is a webinar tool really excellent tool for doing uh, online meetings and webinars which we've used um, and he's going to talk a little bit about his entrepreneurial journey how he came to found the company and a bit about webinars which are a whole kind of areas uh, area of meetings we haven't discussed before so david a huge welcome to the, the podcast yeah thank you i'm excited to be here i'm excited to chat with you and kind of share some stories Cool. So, David, I mean, basically, could we kind of start from the beginning as to, as to your entrepreneurial career? Because, like, it's it's really interesting. I, I actually, for me, this is interesting because I've done a bit of research, but I don't know the full story about how you founded Demio. I know you had a side project along the way and you were doing webinars for it. So I'm just keen, like, how, you know, kind of taking back to the kind of start of your entrepreneurial career. Like, did you ever have a job or did you go straight into to being an entrepreneur? No, I think... You know, I think for a long time I was searching for what I wanted to do in my life. And I, I guess the start of this would be, you know, when I was young, uh, my sister was an entrepreneur and I would help her with her entrepreneurial stuff very early. And I saw her, you know, hustle and, and go out there and do all that stuff. So like in high school, I tried to, I made music and I like tried to sell CDs and I tried to do all that stuff. But then I ended up, um, I ended up going to college and in college, I got a, you know, a college job and got in the hospitality industry and coming out of college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do next. I had graduated with like liberal arts, like creative writing and anthropology. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do next? <laughs> and I really oh, what, didn't know. What, what were you doing in, in the catering industry? So you mentioned you were doing catering. Like you were doing some business at college in, to do with catering. Is that right? No, hospitality. hospitality. I was like serving, serving tables and stuff like that. Oh, like, right. Okay. You just had a job doing okay. It sounded very impressive when he said that. I was like, oh, what's his No, okay. no, just the hospitality. Yeah, just, just serving and, and like line cook starts and stuff like that. So just like the basic like kind of yeah. college job thing that you do to get through college. But there's like – and I see a lot of college kids also having this where like they don't know exactly what to do next. Like what is the next step? And I think I was kind of lost in that same thing. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I wanted to work hard. I, you know, I never had a problem working harder or going above and beyond and stuff like that. So I took some time. I traveled. Like I saved up some money, um, traveled around Europe, came back and I was like, OK, what I really want and I really understood is I wanted freedom in my life to explore, to see the world, to explore myself and all these things that like you kind of get with freedom. And 
so when I came back, I, I was like dead broke. I had to get a loan out from the bank to get this internship. I took an unpaid internship in marketing in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was living on my friend's couch. And I just worked so hard at this company that I, you know, I ended up getting a job there, uh, worked my way up. We grew like this basically startup over two years, became basically the marketing director, kind of working my way, you know, up through through this process and just learning a ton. I just used this opportunity to just learn and do as much as I could. I would stay up super late, get up super early, be the first one in the office, just do everything I could to just hustle and gain that experience and exposure. And then after we got to a certain level, I just realized like I had kind of plateaued there and it was time to move on. And like a lot of people, like when you're first starting and you kind of jump out on your own, you basically contract and, and freelance. So I did that for a while. I freelanced until I built a web agency, uh, built a, this web agency that failed and failed pretty bad. And the reason that it failed is there was no real systems being made. It wasn't really based on employees and it just couldn't scale well. So when I went to create another agency, I did a marketing agency around webinar, not webinar funnels, but just funnels in general, marketing campaigns. I brought on a partner who was like connected to a bunch of people. So we were building out funnels before Russell Brunson's, you know, big splash in the industry around funnels. So we had to explain to people what a funnel was and like actually do this in older systems. Um, and what, but, let's just, a couple of things there just, uh, did. Yeah. so I'm, I'm curious, like why in the beginning, why did you, why didn't you just go and get a job? Like, why did you get this, take this unpaid internship and what, what kind of company were you, were you working at there? Again, because I had the background in hospitality, I didn't have a marketing degree. I had right. never worked in marketing before, but I wanted to do something I knew, uh, I could pretty much do anything that I worked really hard at. I can just learn it. So yeah, yeah. I was interested in exploring like, you know, the basics of marketing. I always like advertising and marketing and the ideas behind it. So I went in there and I took an internship because I knew I had no experience. I said, you know what? Screw it. I'll start at the bottom. I don't even care. Um, and so I literally took it alone just to survive through that because I was like that broke at that time. Yeah, it's funny. We've talked about this before on the podcast. It's, it's kind of a crazy situation in the US. It's getting like that in the UK now as well where people leave with so much debt. It's, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's um it's tough to really take the risk and start a new business when, you, when you've when you got so much student debt, you know, which is, I mean, I, you know, when I went to university, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm older than you. So it was free. The university was completely free in the UK. I mean, it, it still is in Scotland. Actually, where I went in Scotland it still is free which is cool and um so it was I had no debt you know like I never had to I wasn't like, kind of thinking about like I just we just I just left and started working on it I think it's getting harder and harder as the debt's getting harder for, for people and I, I'm, I'm not surprised less you know a lot of people are just not going to college at all now or, or doing it the cheap way like doing a couple of years at community college or whatever yeah, absolutely. And I and listen, college can get pretty expensive out here. I was lucky. I honestly to be to be uh, transparent, I was very lucky because I did get a scholarship. I had good academic scores That's in cool. high school. So I got a scholarship so I didn't have a lot of debt. But what I didn't have is a lot of money because I had gone and traveled to Europe. So, and that's kind of gave me this vision of like freedom and life and all the things that I wanted to do. Uh, but because of that, I was like dead broke. So, you know, and I wanted to change. I wanted to do something that pushed myself out of my comfort zone. So, and that's continually what I tell people is like, you, sometimes you just got to take a risk, like even with business or not business, you know, if you want to have a change, there's going to be risk involved. And so when I got to that second agency that I realized I had to build it out with systems. So yeah, I really went just because I saw it too. Because just, I mean, I think a lot of people listen to this and not going to know what you, you, I mean, it was, it was great, but you kind of flew through a lot of things. I'm like, like what, like you were building out funnels. Like what does that mean? Cause I mean, I, I guess what a lot of people are going to have no idea what that means. Marketing funnels. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's a great point. So marketing funnels, basically we were building out both the strategy and the technology to help online companies take or attract leads and convert them into customers. And we would do this through a process that's typically called a web funnel. Yeah. So some type of lead generation device, 
to some relationship nurture building device, to some sales mechanism to move them into a customer. Now this may be like a small upfront price point to then upsell them into a bigger price point and then into something else. Or it could just be, you know, a full on funnel to a high price point item. Um, yeah. So we did a couple of those things. And some of those things were, were, like you mentioned, webinar funnels or webinar campaigns that we would set up and build for people. So we were creating both the strategy, going in there, talking to these companies, uh, customers, learning about their business, learning about their customer personas, writing the strategy, outlining everything, and then going in there and building graphics, the technology behind it, bringing in the systems and like the, the email service providers and, and building these campaigns. And this was like before a lot of these companies had become super advanced like they are now and easier to do. So a lot of this, we had a hand build or, you know, it was just very complex and took a lot of time and energy. Right. And, and what, like, I mean, was this making money at this point? Were you actually like, you know, were you, were you making a good living for yourself or was this kind of just like, you know, getting by? How, how was it looking for you at this point? Yeah, the web agency was more like getting by. We had some really good customers and some good months, but because I didn't have good systems, it didn't scale well and it wasn't making me a lot of money. So I shut it down pretty early. This agency actually, because of those lessons that I learned about systems, we brought on good team members early and we were able to scale pretty fast. The price points are pretty high, so we actually made good money in the agency. It was a lot of work though. And what I realized kind of midway through is with agencies, it's always a people scale business, meaning that the more customers we bring in, the more employees we have to bring in. So scale becomes very much determined by the amount of people that you have. And it, and it becomes hard to then scale and keep profit margins high. You kind of always have this like set net profit margin that you can have and you're kind of scraping off the top after like costs and expenses and like employees and stuff like that. And if projects run over, all of a sudden you eat away in these profit margins. So it, it was very frustrating for me. I, I was very, like, I love to do it. I love the strategy behind it, but I was frustrated. And I, like during this time was when I started really thinking like, I wanna get into software. I wanna get into a business that can scale without 100% the needs of people behind it. And so during this time, I started taking some of that profit that I was making and then funding some smaller software. So I started small with a very simple software um, that kind of failed, but I learned a lot of lessons on like how to hire, what to look for, how to build out like documentation, all the things that I needed to do. Built the second one out, that one did better, but it still wasn't a good validated idea. So then I did another one, validated that idea, launched that one, made some good money with it, turned around and sold it, did another one, did that one a little bit better, sold that one early. And then during this time, as I was just gaining knowledge, I was kind of slowly ramp, like ramping down the agency. So like, can um, I ask, like, how were you doing these software startups? Like, I mean, because I guess you, you were kind of like a non-technical, like, you know, semi-technical, but you weren't, you weren't building these yourself. Were, were you? I was not. No, were, I was were, not. Were you partnering with someone or were you just hiring someone on, on Elance or whatever website you were doing? How, how were you going about like doing these, these uh, SaaS apps? Yeah, these first ones I did basically taking some of that funding and I did a very cheap, like minimum viable product basically. And I would right. go and I would hire uh, engineers off Upwork. But the lessons yeah. of that agency, that, that kind of marketing agency had taught me how to hire, how to headhunt, how to find people. So luckily I was able to find good people. I had made some mistakes in these softwares for sure, but every time I tried to make sure I learned from that mistake and bring it into the next kind of hire, the next company that I did, not, it wasn't actually a company, it was like kind of all under one umbrella. So like yeah. the next software that I built out, um, you know, nothing was anywhere near the project that I'm working on now, but these were all like little stepping stones, each one a stepping stone that increased my knowledge and helped me grow and understand stuff more. So I had to kind of reduce the time in the agency to add more 
more time into the software. But yeah. I knew that that was my goal. I knew that's where I wanted to go. So I got to this point where it's like I had to make a choice of which direction I wanted to go. And during this time, uh, while I was on these like final softwares and my agency was coming down, Wyatt, my co-founder and I started talking about Demio. Now, Wyatt had kind of got into the process of building things out already. But when we started talking, there was a lot of overlap on things that he could use have help with or like needed help with from the operational side and hiring and the setup of the company and all that stuff that I had then learned a ton about and started excelling in in these other companies. And so I actually joined with him in Demio a few months after he started like the, the ramp up of this project for Demio. Um, and during this time, I just basically sold off the rest of those softwares. I closed out all the accounts on the agency, which you know, looking back now may have not been the best decision because it did kind of kill also all my like livable salary and income that was coming in. But we just said, hey, let's burn the boats. Let's double down. And we went all in on Demio. And that was about four and a half years ago. Cool. Now, just to finish off this early stage, how did you, you very casually said about how you sold all these businesses, which is, which is pretty cool. Like, were you, I mean, were these all, were you selling them on kind of webs, things like Flipper or were these bigger sites you were using a broker or did you just have customers who bought them? How, how were you selling all these, all these SaaS apps? Like as in selling, would, as in selling the company, you know, not selling it to customers. Yeah. Again, these weren't, because these weren't individual like companies, I had done them under an umbrella. I basically created individual contracts with these companies. Now, the best thing that I can say is I tried Flippa for a couple of these. Some of them had no attraction and some of them I just had to take the loss on. I just like the first two, I just took a loss on and closed them down. Yeah. I was just like, nobody wants them. You know, sure. they weren't done well. They were lessons. They were failures and lessons, and I'm totally okay with that. The, the, the two that I sold, I actually did it from networking groups. That, like going to masterminds, networking, creating connections has been my number one kind of advantage there because we would talk about things that they needed in their business, and I would bring them up, hey, I got this cool software. Now, both of these had either customers or like a really good idea that, again, I had learned from the first ones that I had built. So good validation, kind of good development, kind of a good engineer attached, maybe customers already, maybe revenue already, maybe a lead generation already. Um, but these were sold to companies that had revenue already coming. They were already funded and they're just like, oh, that'd be an, a great addition to my company. So I was able to sell it to them because of the closeness of a connection. If I didn't have that, I probably would never have been able to sell them the way I did or as fast as I did. Right. That's, that's interesting. So it's cool. So let's carry on. Like, so you, you started Demio. How, how did you meet your co-founder, by the way? Is this, is this somebody you worked together with on the agency? Yeah, no, it's a great question. We actually met in Tampa at a networking mastermind at someone's house. There's like a lot of like networking on entrepreneurs here in Tampa. Yeah. And he had just moved to Florida from, I believe, Atlanta. He had just taken a jump and moved to Tampa. And this was like kind of his first event that he had gone to. He had just got there. And we kind of hit it off at this event and um, started hanging out, started working together. And although we never did anything together, we were constantly uh, either working out together or just like talking about our businesses together, just coming up with new ideas and like helping each other out. Yep. Always talked about trying to find ways to work together, kind of like brainstormed ideas on stuff. But it never really happened until he kind of had momentum on what he wanted to do and then we saw hey there really is tangible overlap and skill sets that would go like work well together if we came together right right so so you basically you know you, you sold off the other sasses and, and we do you have any and, and you, you were full-time just building demula and sorry i missed it how why did you decide to build like a webinar system what was the kind of what was the story behind that yeah so again that like kind of introductory piece of that kind of came from Wyatt. but the truth of the matter is 
for both of us, we were using webinars. For for Wyatt, he actually had an SEO uh, info marketing company slash agency, and they were using webinars to sell product um, on the back end of launches, also with uh, just like direct customers. They were selling uh, strategic partnerships and stuff like that. I was in my agency building those campaigns. Yep. And the pain point that we both found, and I sometimes would come over to help him in his business build his campaigns, is that it would sometimes take three or four systems to put together to build out a campaign. It could take me a couple of days. It was an expensive process. People were paying us thousands of dollars to set up these webinar campaigns. Yep. And then we had to use a system that felt antiquated and outdated. We were using like go to webinar and we hated it. It would free on webinars it would crash for us and we're like man there has to be an easier way to do this stuff like there there you know it was just so frustrating to build this stuff out so that is where you know the the actual idea came from and when we looked into the marketplace for validation everywhere on social media everyone was complaining about the webinars like products that were out there like why can't they be something better now, one mistake that we didn't do was go and do a ton of validation and competitive research to see just, you know, how deep that pain went, you know, what the actual needs and stuff were. And if we talk about the journey of Demio, there's plenty of mistakes that we made along the way on like kind of the validation process. Um, but I think we just saw enough to be like, okay, we need to do this. Now, during our build out process, it took us about literally almost two years to get our product to, to beta and to launch, which really sucked. Um, some platforms came out like, um, you know, webinar jam kind of came out and a couple other platforms. So newer platforms started to emerge as we were already on the journey, but when and, we and, first and started, how, they weren't there. And how did you fund this two years? Like, were you, were you, do, were you both still doing your, well, you said you, you'd got rid of your side business. Was your partner doing side business? Like, did you get any funding or were you just like, just uh, how are you surviving in the, the two years period? We were totally bootstrapped and we utilized the funds that we had both saved from, uh, his company and from my company. And That's he cool. did a, a good amount of investing into the company along the way, which honestly, the major reason we had to invest so much is because of uh, technical hurdles along the way and just the the amount of uphill movement we had to do to build out the technical side of this platform. I mean, two years is a lot. That's a, that's a long time to get to, from kind of launch to actually to release your first product. It's like, were you worried it was like such a long time and no one's going to like it? Like, were you pretty scared at, you know, when you got into like year two of this process? Here's kind of what happened is we started going through this process and we actually had uh, a CTO that we brought in from Turkey and we brought him out to Tampa. We like did everything together. Uh, and then we were like excited to have this agency work with us. Um, and he was going to run everything. And after about four or five months, it was just disastrous. It was terrible. So we had funded a ton of money into them, but we basically had to scrap everything and start over. I'm just right. like, all right, we're building out the team from scratch. So we started doing that, but we also made the mistake of utilizing that CTO's kind of framework of everything that we needed. And by the time we got there, we realized that it was a good product, but it wasn't going to be like the product that people would just drop everything and switch to. And we're like, listen, if we're going to make a, you know, try to go up against other platforms, we have to do something pretty special. Um, you know, we have to do something that people are like, yes, that solves my pain points and it's a better experience. So we actually had some customers coming in. We got to like this quote unquote, like early, early beta. We yeah. started testing it. It worked. The product was okay. Like there were bugs and stuff, but we knew that we could build on it. But we had to make one of the toughest decisions of our lives, which was we need to change the core of Demio, the streaming engine itself. We had been built on this older legacy technology that worked really well called uh, 
RTMP, yeah. which is a streaming protocol that works really well. A lot of companies use it, and I don't, maybe Skype does, I don't know. But we then switched to WebRTC, which is a new language that was up and coming, not all the browsers support it yet, and it was you know, what they said was going to be the future of streaming, but it was still very early, what you would call bleeding edge. So we just made like a very hard decision. We closed out all the customers that we had. We basically scratched the internals of what we had and we restarted to build out on WebRTC. And because it was bleeding edge, it took us a lot of resources and time to test and build and do all the things that we wanted to do, where some of the companies out there were using WebRTC, they just built on top of Google Hangouts. And that actually kind of came back and bit them in the butt later when Google Hangouts deleted itself, but we literally went to the source of WebRTC and started building from there. Wow. Do you, do you think like part of the reason it all kind of failed with his, with his Turkish CTO is like, he's kind of, you, the two of you had a bit of inexperience as like you weren't te- so technically um, experienced. And if, do you think that was like, I mean, obviously you know a lot now, but back then you didn't. So do you think that was part of the reason that, uh, you know, you, you made this wrong decision about platform? I think it's a two things. I think, well, yes, the technical side, but you know, we could have done a better job. I think of not going the agency route. If if we had just hired really good people to start with, which was our goal, but we kind of had the CTO on early. So we're like, oh, we can, we trusted him. We we really just believed in him. But I really truly believe that the people you hire are so critically important. So one, if we went back, we probably would have got a technical co-founder. Yeah. Um, maybe someone in the local area. And we built a remote company, so it could have been a remote technical co-founder, or done a better job of hiring our first technical team, yeah. um, and made that decision much earlier. Now, looking back, do I think that we would have been able to build a WebRTC platform at that the first day that we kind of came together? I don't know. I don't know if WebRTC was even ready for the public. Uh, like build out, like we may have kind of utilized the timing at the perfect time. Maybe lucky just to get in right at the right time with the the new the new kind of uh, technology that was coming in. Exactly. Now, again, I'm I'm just speculating because I'm looking back. I can't change those mistakes, but definitely, if I'm looking back and adding notes for anyone listening. Take the time with your first employees. Be very, very thoughtful. Uh, a technical co-founder can really do a huge addition. It is hard to find technical co-founders. And a lot of times what you want to do is um, have a very good vision laid out, a really good understanding of who your target customer is, the pain points you're solving for them, how it's going to scale, like all the things that will attract and sell that vision to your technical co-founder because they're basically – um, trading their time and energy and wisdom and knowledge and all the years of their experience for no upfront capital and risk to join your business and your vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really well put. Now, and how did it go? Like when you see so finally you launched, like did it, did you get customers right out of the gate or was it like a slow process to kind of build the company? So the good thing that we did do is we marketed early with the product and we did a very long pre-launch with, with things taking so long, we had plenty of times to pre-launch. We did like a, uh, a video show. We called it inside Demia. We launched on YouTube and it was like a, a, a literally we had a camera guy follow us around about how we were building the company and all the things that we were doing. So we got some momentum from that. We were running ads. We were like doing some like good pre-launch stuff. We built a good sized list before Demio beta even came That's out. Cool. And then we invited those customers to the beta. So we had a thousand beta people in during our beta launch. And then we turned around and turned that into a quote unquote grand opening where we did seven days of discounted annual plans. And we were able to bring in 450 customers in that first seven days. That gave us you know, some good runway. It gave us life and customers. Now they weren't the best like 
the perfect like audience that we wanted to build for. Um, not saying that they, you know, we didn't want the customers or anything like that, but you know, sometimes going slower in the beginning and like, um, working with the right customers can give you better feedback loops and more, you know, ability to scale. But we were kind of in a position where, you know, after waiting so long, we just had to get this product out into the world. So we did that launch and then we had to just go on that, that slow grind after that and continue building the product. It was still kind of rough and unrefined when we launched, but you know, we were still able to attract customers, keep customers and grow from there, uh, having good word of mouth along the way. Cool. Now, what are, and just to give people a bit of like view, like what, what sort of size is the company now? I, mean, I don't know what you can share about revenue or, or employees, but what, what kind of what, what kind of size are you at right now? Yeah. So right now we have, um, I believe we just hired our twelfth employee this week. So uh, we are growing, and it's only been about two years since that launch time. Um, cool. But but yeah, I mean we're still growing month over month, um, which is which has been fantastic. Uh, we have so much more we want to do. And, and I think the biggest thing that we've learned is just to, to slow down. And although we want to do everything, be very, very smart and focus on the priorities. And that's some of the lessons that we learned is like, instead of just going out and doing everything or everything, every customer asks, we prioritize, we do a lot of surveys, we do a lot of feedback uh, on different product uh, focused items to make sure that if we do invest the time and we do it, we do it based on what the customers need and want and will add the most impact for the time we put in. Definitely. That's really interesting. Now, I want to talk a little bit about webinars, David, because like we've got a really diverse audience for this podcast. You know, So there's definitely a lot of kind of startup type people who'll be interested in, in your story so far. But you know, the, the common theme is generally people who are doing events and stuff. Uh, so obviously webinars, it's, it's, you know, in a way it's, it's a virtual event. A webinar can be a sales item. You know, people even run virtual conferences and things as, as webinars, which, which is, I don't know if you've got, we'll get onto that hopefully in a bit. But I, was, I read an article you wrote um, somewhere where you actually said about you had some, you actually failed a little bit yourself in, in selling Demio via webinars in the beginning. I don't know if you can talk a little bit, a bit, bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we love to talk about the lessons that we've learned. Yeah, no, they're think, the best. I mean, people's there's thing people always forget. Like the, the people's failures are the most interesting stories that people want to hear. You know, especially if you come out of the other are. side of it. You know, well, you know, I think every lesson is, or every failure is just a lesson. And if you can't learn from it, then then it could be a failure. But for yeah. us, it's like we're just going to make a bunch of we're going to move forward, and sometimes we're going to trip. But as long as we learn from it, we're going to keep going. Sure. Um. So I think in that regard, what we really learned from webinars is when we first started trying to launch webinars uh, ourselves to sell the platform, uh, we recognized a couple things. One, the audience we were going after, we sometimes weren't selling to the right audience. So that became deeper and easier to find when we looked at revenue metrics inside the company. You know, our lifetime value of specific segments of a customers, our average revenue per user for specific segments of customers. And the more mature your business gets, the more time you get to spend in things like um, who your customers are, understanding what segments they're in, who your like ideal customer would be, the features and functions that would suit them best, you know, maybe the economics behind the company and how you want to sell to them and, 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 and raise your average revenue per user, all that kind of good stuff. That, that comes once you kind of get past the survival part of your business. It's like the you know, early days. Right. Um, so what, that was lesson one was we realized, you know, maybe the avatar, the customer persona we were going after wasn't right. And the other major thing that we really learned um, was the power of uh, your hook, as I like to call it, or the thing that attracts 
your registrants and attendees to your event. Like that is the most critical piece of this. And it would be very similar if you were just having an event offline, like you have all these speakers coming, but if you, you know, talk about the event in the wrong way and you don't hook the right audience with the kind of the right messaging, you're not going to have a very good, you know, uh, buy rate. You're not going to have a very good show up rate at that live event, even if you have the best speakers in the world. So really it takes time to understand your hook and the hook best comes from your actual customers, their aspirations, their goals, their pain points. What can you do on this event to solve something that would be very helpful for them or that really piques their interest and curiosity based on their goals and aspirations? And then how do you actually deliver quality content to them in about 45 minutes to an hour um, and that was kind of like the lessons that we learned. And that post that you're talking about is on bare metrics and on the yep. blog there. And it's a pretty good post. I, I can't go through it all on this, on the show. It would take me a solid 30 minutes, but it's a really good post. If you guys want to read, you know, how we came up with the hooks and, and what that actually means. I'll, for, I'll for add a link to it. Definitely. Now, and I'm curious, like what, um, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast are running different types of events. Some people running training events, some people running just pure sales events to try to sell their products. Some people running, you know, actual multi-day conferences and things like, and I'm curious, like what, uh, what type of, what's kind of a breakdown of the type of events people are running on Demi? Obviously, you know, sales webinars is, I presume is, is a majority, but what, I mean, or, or you tell me, maybe I'm wrong. Like what, what is the kind of breakdown for the kind of things and the range of things people are running on, on, on as, as webinars on your platform? Yeah, I think it's probably very similar to the type of events people are doing offline. Um, now, these the, the point of webinars is really that uh, you get people the same personal experience, the same interactive and engaging experience of a live event online where people don't have to buy travel tickets. They don't have to go somewhere. They can do it from the convenience of their own home or at work or on the go or wherever they are. So you trade convenience, but you keep that engagement, interactivity, and all the relationship building of a live event. Uh, now, Honestly, it's not just sales events. We have like the big use cases that we have is lead generation events. So people trying to fill their top of funnel, trying to generate new leads for their products and warm them up. Also demand generation. So uh, working through prospects through, um, you know, a, a an educational a seminar or educational webinar, I should say, um, with maybe polls and, and feedback questions and all these things that basically can then qualify those prospects better for a sales team to go through and close them on a sale. Um, onboarding and user activation webinars, a lot of software companies come in and use this for that. Customer engagement, so retention, you know, re- reducing churn on their on their products by having maybe uh, live training events at some point, every maybe every month or every week or something like that, things that keep... Uh, customers engaged, uh, brand awareness and partnerships. So a lot of strategic partner webinars that go on, uh, whether there is a sales close at the end or not, those are also really big use cases on Demio. And uh, do you have people running like training events or even full day or multi-day events, like kind of co- events on, on Demio as well? Yeah. So we do see people run multi-webinar uh, conferences and seminars and summits. Um, we do see a lot of live training, a lot of people doing like certification classes and stuff like that. So there are all those different use cases around education. We're also thinking maybe even, and this is like, so not even a real 
hundred percent idea yet, but we are thinking about possibly doing like demo summits as well. So you can actually come in, not just have a webinar room, but maybe have a summit and be able to launch your full on summit through demo, uh, having a full audience there. So that would probably be more in line with like a big, big summit where you're doing like an online event, but yeah, definitely people are doing live training through demo all the time. Cool. And I should say at this point, quick plug for our, our software events fame. We, we've got really good integration with demo and you can sell your, you can sell tickets for, you know, different, for different types of webinars and, and have it automatically add the person to the demo webinar. So to check that out as well, <laughs> just a quick side point. No, it's uh, a good point. It's a good, it's a good integration. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really happy with that. The first and only webinar we, we've got. How like, like the thing I find with webinars is maybe it's because I'm an easily distracted person. Like what, what are some tips for people running webinars to keep people engaged? I'm especially thinking if it's like a longer training event or something, but even the sales, like, you know, how do you stop people not just wandering off or, you know, opening up, opening up, watching YouTube videos on the side and things like, is, is there, is there anything you've seen or have you written any blog posts about how you can keep that kind of engagement? Yeah, we have plenty of information on our blog around that, like different ways to keep your things more interactive. And I would say this, I would say if you're having a live event, What's stopping people from getting distracted in, in live time as well? Well, it's typically your interactivity and your engagement, stopping and asking questions, you know, the energy, is everyone with me? Give me, you know, give me a clap if you're with me, if you're excited by this, right? Things that are like getting the audience out of just like this listen only mode. That's where kind of people go into like, yep. uh, you know, the, the autopilot and kind of stop paying attention. So we did things like bring in polls, interactive polls, so you could we saw, I've seen webinars, people have like 30 polls and they're just consistently launching, keeping people engaged. Yeah, getting the audience contests. to do something. That's really good, yeah. Exactly. I've seen people do contests. Like, oh, if you can pay attention and we're going to do like three contests and whoever gets the answers right wins a bonus. I've seen cash contests. I've seen all types of cool stuff, but things that allow the audience to have participation. So we have this really great public chat polls. You can launch handouts at certain times, uh, little giveaways, um, those type of things, but also really just like stopping, asking questions and requesting that audience participation is really key ways to get them involved and, and you know part of that process as you train all the way throughout right cool yeah that, that that's some, some really really good good information is there anything else anything else in terms of like how you can like anything you can do in advance to convince people that the an online kind of experience is going to be as good as on i mean it's never i mean i think you, in my opinion like it, it's different you can never say it's as good as in person it's slightly different you know it is different but but how can you like is there any way you know anything you've any sales techniques to, to show people look this is as viable an experience as as meeting face to face Look, I think testimonials and social proof are some yeah. of the best things that you can do. So even on your registration pages for these events, you can have quotes of people, you know, of, of their actual feedback from a webinar being like, this was one of the most valuable hours I've spent all year. Uh, this was absolutely an incredible time together. I had so much fun today. Like those small quotes go so far to helping other people be like, wow, this would be worth an hour of my time. Because whether they're going to an event in person or an event online, they're sacrificing their time to come and listen. So yeah. there is a trade of value. So you have to make it worthwhile. And the last thing that you want to do is run an event that they're just like bored to tears that don't get a lot of value in. So focus on the value aspect of what you're doing. Focus on how you can make them go, wow, that was so worth it. And then utilize that social proof and uh, social accountability to get people excited about coming. That's fantastic tip. So I'm going to be um, tweeting that right after this call. Look, David, that was really fantastic to talk to you. I know we had to keep it to 30 minutes tonight. It's um, beginning of your day in Tampa. It's the end of my day 
uh, in Prague. I've got to head back. To, I've got a young, a young child at home, I think I mentioned before, so I've got to get back. But it's a real pleasure to talk. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, what's the best place for them? And I'll add links in to the, to the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Come on over to Demio. Uh, we have live chat on the site. You guys can write in, say hi to me. Sometimes I'm in the chat. You can even reach out and I'll come into the chat. But check us out at Demio.com. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitter. I think my name is ITS Abrams. It's Abrams. Um, yeah. And on Facebook. Just it's, followed uh, you on Twitter right now. Yeah, got it. Boom, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, you can add that in there. And we also have a Facebook community um, called the SaaS Breakthrough Community. You can always join in there too on Facebook. Great. Well, look, huge thank you. That's really, I mean, it's really inspirational that you've, you know, you managed to leave university and I mean, you never really had a job in mean, kind of an internship, which, you know, you, you went straight into the entrepreneurial thing. I think it's a good lesson for people that the first thing you try probably isn't going to work out. So, you know, you just quickly failed quickly on a few things until you found something that did. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a really great story. So I want to th- thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to just share some of the lessons. And I mean, big takeaway, I would say for anyone listening is like, it's okay to take the risk and it's okay that it doesn't work out as long as you try to find the lessons and you continue moving forward. Don't just give up. Don't think that you're a failure. You know, just keep moving forward and you keep trying and just learn from it and get better and better. And that's the only way that you're going to move forward. That's pretty much every entrepreneurial journey. Definitely. Fantastic. Cheers, David. All right. Thanks, Dave. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com.